Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Welcome to another episode of Spirit Katana. I am your host, the old man. I'm Ruby. And I'm Jadefire. And together we are venturing through the New Testament, uh, sharpening our swords as we um, prepare ourselves and continue to grow closer to God as uh, as we wander this world that's um, full of sin and fallenness. Um, uh, This week we are continuing our journey through Hebrews, and we'll be covering uh, chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9. Alright, so... Why don't we get started with chapter 6? Who would like to go first? I have verse 3. Alright. It says, So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. What does that mean? Mine just says, In God permitting, we will do so. So it's referencing something in the verse before it, I'm guessing. Let's see. Mine says, And this we will do if God permits. Right. God permitting, we will do so. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So he's saying, let us move on from the elementary teachings, the the basic teachings, right? Okay. And start going on to the more, like the other stuff, the mature teachings about laying the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith of God. Instruction about the cleansing rites and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, all that stuff. Okay. And God permitting, we will do so. I see. Okay. Um, I have highlighted verse 16. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. I know, I heard it. Anyway. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm trying to remember why I highlighted this. Um, but, uh, it's about, like, they, people swear by someone greater than themselves. Like, you don't swear by yourself, right? You don't, like, by the old man's word, I will do this, or whatever. Like, you don't, because that doesn't mean anything. You have to swear on something greater than yourself right yep and what's greater than ourselves ultimately god so (laughs) don't people often swear on like their mother's grave or something yeah people do say that it's a weird thing (laughs) (laughs) anyway any other highlights no nope okay well that was a quick chapter let's move on to chapter seven I have verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. So yeah, I just I just like the reminder that the law um, doesn't make anything perfect. We didn't get perfected by the law because we couldn't keep the law, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't make anything perfect. It kind of just showed where we needed help. And we have a better hope that's introduced to us where we draw near to God, right? Yeah. I highlighted verse 3. Okay. This Melchizedek 
has no father or mother and no record of any of his ancestors. He was never born and he never died, but his life is like a picture of the son of God, a king priest forever. What does that mean? Ah, Melchizedek is a really interesting... How does he like never born? I don't understand. So... Melchizedek is somebody that's written very briefly of in the Old Testament. Um, and he was the king of Salem. We knew that much. And he was a priest. <laughs> um, and so there's people that have been of the order of Melchizedek. Like, we have things that reference that. Like, okay. Um, but, like, we don't know anything about him other than that. So it's like he has no... Like, because he was a righteous king and priest. I so, like, he was somebody see. that we could be like, oh, this this is a good example. But then he also, like... Nope, there's nothing written about where he came from, who he really was, like, and so, oh, okay. so there's no genealogy, quote unquote, and all that stuff, and so it's kind of like, just like, almost like a godly representation kind of thing, it's like this savior, this high priest or whatever came out of nowhere and did great things, and yeah, yeah it's a really, yeah, because if you look up Melchizedek, you're not going to find a lot of information in the Bible, it's really interesting, <laughs> just kind of pops out of nowhere. You have anything else, Ruby? Yes, verse 14. For we all know that our Lord didn't descend from the tribe of Levi, but shine from the tribe of Judah, and Moses himself never said anything of a priest in connection with Judah's tribe. That... So he's just, he is saying that it's clear that our Lord, Jesus, was descended from the tribe of Judah, okay? Because that's where David came from and everything, too. Okay. Um, and remember, uh, well, maybe you don't know. In the Old Testament, the different tribes that came from the different sons of Joseph, because Judah was a son of Joseph. Or not Joseph, ah, sorry, Israel. Um, Joseph is also a son of Israel. <sighs> anyway, um, so yeah, there's the, the different sons of Israel, which okay. is who the Israelites are, right? And all their families and descendants. And each family became their own tribe, right? And so when we came to the promised land in Moses' time, well, sort of Moses' time and then Joshua's time, um, they were all given a area... For themselves, like they were, all, it, the land was split up for the different tribes and everything. Everything was de designed for the Israelites and all that. But the Levites were a little different, and they were given the the priestly duties. Um, so they were supposed to manage the temples and do the sacrifices and all that stuff. That's where the priests were supposed to come from. Now, our new high priest is Jesus Christ, who is from the tribe of Judah, not Levite. Well, that's the priests are supposed to come from the tribe of Levite. Oh. Overall. But that's, like, that was how things were just working. That doesn't necessarily mean that the, our new high priest, and they're just doing another, because they're, they're still talking about Melchizedek as well, who didn't come from that tribe either. Like, he just, we don't know where he came from. <laughs> so he might have come from. Uh, no, they would have that information. But anyway, um, but so, like, and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of regulation and ancestry, so not based on who his family is and how we do the rules, then there's something more, like, that we have to pay attention to that, basically. We have to pay attention to that, basically. Basis, yeah, uh, regulation as to the ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Yeah, those are my only highlights for that chapter. Okay. I do not have any highlights of that chapter. Sounds good. Do you have any more, old fan? I do not. Right, moving on to chapter 8. Alrighty. Okay, I highlighted verse 1. Oh, okay. It says, Now this is the crowning point of what we are saying. We have a magnificent king priest who ministers for us 
at the right hand of God. He is enthroned with honor next to the throne of majesty on high. Um, what does it mean that they have like a magnificent king and priest who ministers at the right hand of God? Also, what's a king? Okay, so mine doesn't say king priest, it says high priest. But again, we go back to the whole Melchizedek thing, because we're still talking about that. Like, this is all connected to... only mentioned briefly. His actual time is mentioned briefly, but we are like highlighting how Jesus comes from the... the he's a priest like the priest of like the melchizedek like where let me go back to the other chapter quick there, there was a there was a thing that says for it, it is where... hold up for it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of melchizedek that was also in seven so like yeah he's mentioned probably more in hebrews without any like actual history about him and just how jesus is connected to him <laughs> that he probably was mentioned and talked about in the old testament but we know where jesus came from and we don't know where melchizedek and we know Jesus died and how he went to heaven. Okay. So first of all, Melchizedek can't be, like, he wouldn't have been from any of the order of, like, Levites and stuff because he came before all that. Oh, I see. Okay. Now, because um, back in Genesis 14, it looks like, is when he's mentioned. Um, it's a point where Abram, before he's even Abraham, yes, I think it's before he's Abraham anyway, he has to go rescue Lot. You remember Lot? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, Jade Fire, do you remember the whole story about Abram and rescuing Lot? You've gone through Genesis. No, I, I don't know the story. Okay. What chapter is it in? Genesis 14. Okay, then I've definitely read it. I know. A just... Lot was Abram's nephew. Abram is who becomes Abraham eventually. Who has the son Isaac that he's going to sacrifice. Oh, yeah. That okay. I know Abraham. Yeah, I know. So, well, Lot is the one that went to go live in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot's wife gets turned into a pillar of salt when it gets all burned up. Mm -hmm. I reckon I, okay, I remember so that. so that's who Lot is. And Abram goes to, like... Basically to rescue Lot because things are not good over in Sodom. Are you talking about the story of the guy who was in the city and like they kept being like talking to God and they're like if there's ten people who are good or if there's five people who are, who are good then burn down the city. I think. And then the one little family escapes and go back. I want to say yeah, as Lot's wife gets frozen and I believe that is connected because I think Abram's the one that's like Abram's arguing with God. I think only one turned back. The only part of that story that I can think of at the moment is Lot and his wife, and his wife is the one who looked back and got turned into salt, and Lot continued on without looking back. So so then um, Abram had to deal with some other problems too, and after Abram returned from defeating Kedorlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine he was priest of god most high and he blessed abram saying blessed be abram by god most high creator of heaven and earth and praise be to god most high who delivered your enemies into your hand then abram gave him a tenth of everything all right so the first time Melchizedek is mentioned is after abram defeats that king and then the king of sodom comes out to talk to him and so then Melchizedek who's king of Salem, which is where Abraham or Abram lived or lived nearby or whatever, also came out and brought things and blessed Abram. And then Abram gave this priest king a tithe, which is a normal, <laughs> I mean, it's normal to tithe now or whatever, to give 10, you know, percent to the, the priests and all that stuff. But this is the first priest ever mentioned. We didn't have priests yet. And he's referred to as a priest in Genesis and a king and a priest forever. Um... And so because, like, he is this righteous, obviously somewhat holy or whatever, because he's even being given a tenth, he's being able to bless and all that stuff. Um, 
and considered a priest forever, so is Jesus a priest forever. Okay? Okay. And the only other time Melchizedek, I think, is mentioned, and it's quoted, it's quoted in Hebrews even, of the order of Melchizedek. And that's, uh, that's in a psalm. Somebody uses that phrase as, in the order of Melchizedek. So it was already, like, it was known that there would be priests in the order of Melchizedek and, like, his likeness or whatever. <laughs> but, like, that wasn't the Levite priest or anything like that, which we got much later and all that. And there was a lot of people that don't actually know necessarily where Jesus came from. Like, people like, oh, he's um, from Nazareth or from Egypt or from Bethlehem. <laughs> I think I understand a little better now. And we have two different genealogies for Christ as well. And people had to, like, look into it. Is it where Mary and One is likely from Mary's line and one's from Joseph's line. Um, but they both tie back to David, the king, who was of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> So yeah, I can't say that I fully understand it all. I've looked into it before. I would have to go back through a lot of this. But there's not a lot known about Melchizedek. Just that he was this high priest and king that was worthy of being tithed to. And that Jesus is in that same order. And will be a priest forever for us. The high priest. Okay. That's all I can really tell you. Sorry. Sorry I don't know more. But well, let's learn the highlight for that chapter. I need to get back over there. Do you have any highlights, Jake? Uh, I actually have a very big highlight. It's from... We're on 8? Yeah. It's from verse 8 all the way to verse 12. Okay. That entire chunk. What? Um, anywho. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. On the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not Aw, and they shall not teach each one this his neighbor, and each know his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will, will remember their sins no more. Um, I just thought, um, this was interesting, because, well... Um, plus, I don't exactly understand when, how this means he finds fault in someone. Like, because in verse 8, it says, for he finds fault with them when he says, and then that entire thing. I don't understand how that says he finds fault. Um, well, the people were sinful, right? Yeah. That's a fault. Yeah. So what's your question, then? Like, how does this, how does him saying all this No, it, it doesn't mean that. He said, but God found fault with them. And then said... Oh! Oh, that makes sense. And um, uh, this is taken out of Jeremiah, which is in the Old Testament. So Got it's it. from, the, Jer- from prof- the prophet Jeremiah. Blah. Plus I just really like quotes like this. Yep. <laughs> They're fun. My, my highlight is the very end of this, actually. 13. 
Nice. Uh, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So he made an old covenant with Israel, right? And he told them that there is people, this stuff, and these are the laws that I want you to follow, and all that stuff. And then he made a new covenant, which is our New Testament with the arrival of Jesus, right? And that is what we now have, because that's how we're saved, that we don't do the whole sacrifice animals with the priests and all that stuff anymore because jesus was the ultimate sacrifice and the high priest it's all very interesting okay <laughs> he was priest and sacrifice okay. Okay. chapter nine then chapter nine i highlighted verse five five on top of the lid of the ark were two cherubim angels of splendor with outstretched wings overshadowing the throne of mercy but now, it, but now is not the time to discuss further the significant details of these things. Okay, two questions. One is, what do you mean, like, it's not the time to discuss the significant thing? And the other one is, what does it mean, like, on top of the ark? Okay, well, the ark, what do you think they're talking about? No, I thought you might. You know there's another ark in the Bible, right? The ark of the covenant, yes. Is that where, is that where they held the... Uh, Ten Commandments? Yeah, there was, uh, some of the stone tablets were in there, yeah. Some? Well, because there was another set made. Remember, there was two sets. Of... Yeah, but the first set broke. Uh-huh. So I don't understand why they would keep that one. I don't remember which one they kept, honestly. They might have kept that one. I don't know. Anyway, yes, Ten Commandments were kept in the Ark okay, of the Covenant. Okay, okay. And there was very, there was a lot of details in the Old Testament of exactly how the Ark was made, and how the cover looks, and what it's designed with, including the cherubim the angel huh. so that's all that means it's just telling you and it's also saying that the details of how the ark is designed and made and what it looks like or all that stuff those details are not important <laughs> right now uh, i mean they probably have a significance they were probably made for a reason they probably illustrate something about god but we don't need to know that <laughs> you highlighted five right um four actually um in my version it tells you that it was the Ark of Covenant, in my version at least. Yeah. I mean, yes. It even tells us what was some of the stuff was in there. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, um, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. <laughs> Wait, staff that has Aaron's budded? staff. Aaron's staff. Um, you remember Aaron? No. No. He was, um, so Moses was told to go talk to Pharaoh, and Moses is like, oh, I don't want to yeah. go talk to Pharaoh. And so God's like, all right, I will send with you Aaron and he will, and you will talk like he will be like you and you will be like God to him, basically. Like he will do what you say. He'll be the speaker for you or whatever. And, uh, yeah, his staff at some point it budded uh, with flowers or something. I forget when that happened, where, but it was just a miraculous thing. And they kept that in the the ark as well. And then the gold jar of manna, I think is referencing one of the jars that they had collected manna in when the manna would. Yep. Yeah, I, I figured, because um, the stone tablets were also created around that time. Yes. Yep. Mine says, the bro- um, was the golden jar with mystery manna inside. Mystery manna. Mystery manna. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like you that. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but the first set he broke because he was upset that everybody has went um, uh, towards idols and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, they, well, yeah. And... <laughs> Everybody in this room probably would be upset too. What gets me about this is like Aaron was like he was put in charge of the people while Moses went up there to go get the instructions from God. And Aaron's the one who actually 
have them all cast their gold in the thing to make the golden calf. Yet he still was a prominent figure and still did a lot of good down the line or whatever. But like, they were all like, give us a god because Moses isn't coming back. He's gone. He's left us. So give us a god we can worship. Despite the fact that God's there, you know? <laughs> it's just dumb. And then Aaron goes ahead and does what they want, which was also dumb. <laughs> and so yeah, Moses was a little upset. <laughs> Public opinion. <sighs> The majority wanted a god. You had to give them a god. They had a god, though. All right. Any other highlights? Uh, no. All right. I have my highlights are at the end of the chapter here. Wait, I might have another one. Ugh. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all. At the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment so christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him so yeah i just i thought this was i kind of even touched on this a little bit already but um it's just that the high priest they had to go in every year to bring a blood sacrifice blood that wasn't their blood to to the most holy place for god right and that's not what christ has to do anymore he did it once for all he doesn't have to keep sacrificing himself over and over again right it was just one sacrifice with his blood and he's the priest both and done and now he can, and then when he comes again he brings that salvation that final resurrection right the, the end which will be fantastic first of all for our listeners, I want to apologize for my lack of knowledge and some mistakes on the whole Melchizedek thing. Uh, I have, I'll try to look up more about that and learn more so I can explain it better. But if you guys have any insight and stuff, um, feel free to shoot us an email or whatever. Or comment on YouTube. Um, and uh, yeah, our email is uh, hunterfieldmanor at gmail.com. H-U-N-T-E-R-F-I-E-L-D-M-A-N-O-R at gmail.com. Um, just uh, put Spirit Katana somewhere in the subject or text or whatever so it's easier to locate. And, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm also dealing with um, some allergy problems this, this week, too, so I'm a little out of sorts. <laughs> um, so, uh, m maybe not our most concise episode, so I apologize for that. Um, anyway, I'm moving on to application. Did you have, find anything within this confusing Melchizedek stuff to apply to your life? <laughs> Um, uh, not really, no. Alright. Um, so yeah, uh, application was a little weird this time around to find. Um, I didn't really have anything to speak out to me this time, but again, like I said, I'm kind of just out of it. But, uh, the one thing that I think I could, um, mention though is that there's the whole thing about, uh, the, the old covenant not being able to bring salvation or whatever. We have the new stuff. Um, so like the old laws and rules and all that stuff that's not what's going to bring about purity and righteousness and to do what's right and that's something to remember even here and now some people still cling to old rules and stuff even from the old testament that they don't need to um because those have passed away now there are still things we're supposed to follow but mainly it's just the two commandments right and they both center around love we love god and we love people and now that isn't to say that you just let people do whatever they want, because that's not actual love. People will say it is, but it's not. Because There's if... such thing as tough love. <laughs> well, right. But love is trying to do the best for other people, right? And so um, it wouldn't be loving for me to tell 
or to just ignore my children if they go to run off in the street. What is loving is to discipline them if they don't, well, tell them not to run in the street, and when they continue to disobey or something, to discipline them so that they learn not to run in the street. Because I want to save them from a deadly accident of some kind, right? Mm -hmm. So, love isn't just being like, oh, well, I will accept you, and you're okay with whatever you're doing, doesn't matter what you're doing, drugs or, you know shooting people whatever it's fine that's not true that's not real love right so there are things to follow there but we shouldn't get hung up on a lot of a random weird rules and silly controversies which we've covered before um and i think that's i think that's just my big takeaway for us this time around just to remember that that's a very th good thing to remember because we can even apply that in just normal day-to-day -day things like yes i have rules for the house but sometimes those rules don't need to be as firm right like sometimes mm -hmm. there's an opportunity to give grace and um like god did right he sacrificed himself for all of us or whatever we did because we break the rules but we don't have to pay the bun like that discipline right yeah like we have consequences for actions but we aren't um reaping the entire reward of our sin which is very good um so yeah i think that's our big takeaway this time all right i believe it's ruby's turn to pray okay dear god thank you for this day thank you that we were able to do our podcast um, to help field men to be able to figure out things about Mechizedelec. Um, and please help everybody have a good day. Amen. Amen. Amen.